another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. It's Barnsley, and I'm joined here once again by Gilly the Beast, Marion. How are you going, big fella? Good, mate. I feel like the beast at the beginning of the weekend, but started towards the end, so happy with the resurrection. Oh, you came home like far lap, mate. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Try it again. All right, so guys, what we're going to go through in today's pod is we're going to do our review preview pod where we review the winners and losers from the games of round one and go through those and then we're going to do a real quick preview at the end and talk about what TLT's dished up for us in round two and uh, what we've got coming up ahead. So Billy, the first game of the round was uh, Thursday night. We had the St. George Leroy Dragons kick off against the Brisbane Broncos for our first game of the NRL season. Dragons were dominant, uh, 34 to 12 winners, and they actually looked really good. I was pretty impressed by the Dragons. The Brisbane Broncos were the complete opposite and uh, looked pretty lethargic. Their forward pack got absolutely owned by the Dragons, and their halves didn't take control at all, and uh, realistically... You know, they could have been 34 nil if they didn't have James Roberts there to get them some attacks. So wasn't a great start for Broncos fans, but it was a, a pretty good one for St. George Illawarra fans. And at the top of that, at the top of our winners list for the Dragons, Gareth Widdop, mate, we spoke about him pre-season about how he could be a great pod, but geez, he's expensive. He would have been worth it, wouldn't he? Yeah, sure was, especially looking at those stats where his, um, uh, sorry, Cogger or home, home game averages being that high, but yeah, with the limited options in the halves and his and his price tag and playing the Broncos, it was one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big balls to start with him. Yeah, so anyone who anyone who listened to our Dragons pod and went with that, firstly, you do have big balls for doing that and paying that money for Gareth Widdop. But secondly, you know, it would have worked out great for you. He, um, I'm pretty sure he was the top scorer of the whole round actually with his massive score. He, um, he was six hundred forty-seven thousand nine hundred dollars to own. Um, and he scored 106, which is fantastic. So the goals are always going to be a big part of his score. He had the 28 points in goals. But um, the two tries his city had, the one line break assist, the line break he had himself, he had some uh, nice, uh, a nice offload and some forced dropouts. He, he basically did it all. And when you look at the stats on a lot of these guys, there's so many different stat categories now. You have all these euros everywhere. Gareth Widdop's got ticks in pretty much every column. He just had a blinder. So he was fantastic. Another guy that was um, that was really, really good and someone that I had in my side and we spoke about him in the Dragons pod, Billy, was uh, Jack DeBellin. He had a big one as well. Yeah, he had a try in there, though, and his minutes were down a little bit. So I wouldn't read too much into that one, mate. I'm, if I was earning him, I'd be sort of packing it a little bit at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he was—he gave you the points that you wanted for five hundred and ninety k. He came in with seventy nine points, which was really nice. But yeah, you are right, as you said. The um, the base wasn't fantastic. He had thirty points in his tackles and only seventeen points in his runs. So he um, one thing that I did notice with um, JDB mate is he he did only have the one offload, and I was kind of hoping for one or two more than that. He didn't seem to be as um, as offload friendly as I was hoping. Yeah, well, Dragons had a fair few offloads across the park. So, um, look, it could, it could come, mate. Um, he's not going to be a TPJ, that's for sure. But um, he probably just needs that, those extra few minutes to get that extra one or two offloads away 
you don't really see that many offloads in the first sort of 20, 30 minutes of the game. The forwards just go straight straight through the middle and then sort of a little bit, a little bit sort of later, you, you tend to see it come out of the game when they want to open it up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think they're the two biggest winners, but certainly Gareth Widdop is, is a big winner out of round one for the Dragons team. A couple of losers, though, and they're definitely with some absolute bums from the Dragons. The biggest loser had to be Tim Laffey at 575k. He put up a stinker, 16 points, and um, he really didn't look like at all approaching the Tim Laffey that went on that glorious run last year. Yeah, how good was that? I was kind of looking at his score at halftime going, thinking, oh, he's going to be really juicy pretty soon. But then realised that he he, um, he mentioned in pre-season he was going to put his offload away a bit. So even if he does bottom out, I'm not sure if I could pick him up. But would probably depend on the price and how desperate I am. Yeah, he had zero attacking stats that game. Which when they got the team scored 34 points and he's got zero attacking stats. Um, even base attack wasn't there. There was nothing there. You know, zero hit ups, zero TVs. Yeah, it was just an absolute stinker from Lafayette. So yeah, I think. I think um, Masters is kind of this year's kind of Lafayette, but we'll get to him when we get down the track. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty good comparison, actually. Probably one of the other losers who didn't go that badly was James Graham, who certainly didn't do any 16-type material, but 43 points and only 50 minutes for a $460,000 front row, who, who me and you both thought might have been decent value for his price. Yeah, I think he was always a lay. I was never on him at all. He was, I think when we talked about him, he had to get minimum 60 minutes and, and to even be thought about, and even then he wasn't really going to be worthwhile. He needed 65 minutes, so I don't know too many people that jumped on him, but definitely you're getting what you pay for there. Uh, that's right. That was me that's, that was going to start him and had him in my team, and uh, that, was one of our, <laughs> that was one of our disagreements that I gave in and relented when I started to do the maths on his minutes. You are correct, Billy. Good man. <laughs> well, he only got 50 minutes, and... Um, you know, I was chatting to Perso about this and he seemed to pick up some type of arm injury um, a little bit, but I don't think it would have changed the rotation much because he's still only got the he's still got the 50 minutes, so it's not like he played 30 or 35, and he still only scored 43 points, and it was just, it wasn't good to watch. Um, he tried really hard in defence and stuff, and I think that he was better in real life than what he was in Supercoach. That might be his role oh, now. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And he's, he starts to pass the ball a bit more um, before the line these days too. So you're going to take a few points away from there. So he's pretty 44 points or whatever you said is pretty much bang on for 50 minutes. You really want to hope he gets up to 60 minutes for him to be viable. But I, I would be sort of watching him this week and see how he goes, but be prepared to cut, um, cut and run with a, a mariner or some, or some type like that that's sort of about to sort of go up in value next week. Sorry, the, round three. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Tyson Frizzell was equally bummish. You know, played decent minutes and was on that edge, but scored 56 with a try, um, which, you know, so it's 39 points without that try um, is pretty bad. I guess. Pretty ordinary, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, either way, winners and losers, I think, from that, everything else pretty much fell into place on where it was meant to be. The only other one I'd probably add in is uh, Paul Vaughan. Looked quite good, but he only scored 52 points, so didn't really convert to super coach. But um, his minutes were really promising, so I think now that's probably going to come still. What did uh, Dufty score? Dufty ended up on 40 points. So, I mean, you know, realistically, for the first time he's starting at fullback in a full season, it's it's going to be ups and downs like that. Yeah, fair enough. So let's move on to the Broncos, mate. And um, yep. 
Billy, the Broncos had far more downs and ups, but um, we'll try and pick, yeah, we'll try and pick out some winners though. We'll try real hard. Um, the first one though is um, a former Billy Marion love child by the name of uh, TPJ Tavita Pengai Junior. He was uh, he was actually the one bright spot for the Broncos. I thought he was phenomenal to watch. Yeah, he was he was beast mode, mate. Anyone that listened to the podcast. Were, um, and jumped on him, good on you. I, I don't, it wasn't just us, Brooke, and him, mate. I think there were a fair few others sort of all over him. Catfish is one of one of his biggest advocates all off-season. He was always going to be on my side, whether he was sort of starting or not. But it's nice that he got the starting nine and those offloads started going left, right and centre. But his uh, post-game conference conf, conf, conference doesn't instill me with any sort of confidence going forward with him potentially tucking an offload away. But I'll be starting him again this week regardless. Yeah, I I didn't really take that much from that to be honest. Like, um, yeah, he had four offloads, and even if he halved those, he's still going to have two. And you know, one of them was ineffective anyway. Had fourteen points in yeah. offloads, um, eight points in tackle breaks. So he had twenty-two points just between his offloads and tackle breaks. And you know, the important thing to remember is this isn't a guy that's playing big minutes, so the minutes risk isn't really there for him. That's why I think it's he's a winner. If he's scoring 50s, I mean, he doesn't even need the, the bigger minutes to do it. I mean, that's great, 57 he, um, points. He dropped the ball once or twice too, running out, running out of the edge as well. He, he was borderline going to get an LB in there as well, but instead of having an extra sort of sort of 12 points in there, he had a minus two. So he could have quite conceivably very closely – he could have gone very close to sort of 70 points off 46 minutes, so which is pretty frightening territory. Yeah, he, he had all the potential in the world, and it's only a matter of time, I think, before he busts out with a 75, 80-point game from getting a line break or a, a try near the yeah, line, mate. for sure. Other than that, though, the only other real winner out of this game was James Roberts, and that's going to come with a big caveat. James Roberts was the only reason that they scored two tries, but and you know he put up a really nice 77 points for the guys that, that actually own James Roberts. But in saying that, you know, 34 points in tries and um, 20 points in line break. 54 out of his 77 points were from two line breaks and two tries. So you can really see the the floor on him very quickly looking at the numbers. Yeah, yeah, true, mate. He was kind of all over the park in, in, in patches here and there. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's the only the only winner winner though apart from him and TPJ. I'll, I'll go as far as saying I think Lodge is a winner too. And Looking at his score, he he scored pretty you know, pretty average in the forty five mark or fifty seven minutes. But the guy had um the guy had um penalty as well as two errors, and he he was um both those two errors came off him attacking attacking offload and attacking that line. So he's not far away from mid sort of fifty scores if you take if it. He, so he's it he's punches mid fifty scores if you take those sort of errors away. So. I, I've got a lot of confidence in him bouncing back this week and punching a, a 60 or 55 minutes. So I reckon he's a, he's a very good smoky to keep watching. Yeah, I guess um, he was he was an okay performer for me. I don't think he was bad or good, but um, I thought on the park he was pretty reasonable in that he got the minutes and he did the work rate. Uh, I was surprised that so many people were down on him, actually, because post-game a lot of guys were getting annoyed that he's you know only scoring 40s. And for a guy that's only 208,000, 45 points is fine. And also the fact, the biggest thing is um, the minutes that he got. And he did, he, you're right, he did lose six points in um, in negative scoring. Sorry, eight points in negative scoring. So if he didn't you know, get any of that, he would have been at a 53. So, yeah, he's looking he's looking solid. 
But overall, you know, you'd expect a lot of the Broncos to probably bounce back, including the guys that head the losers list. And the the losers list, mate, Anthony Milford, 622,000. I'm standing strong because I'm waiting for that, um, you know, round four onward little spike in his draw that's going to bring his stats right up. But, um, geez, it felt hard to swallow that and hold on to him after round one. 18 points for $622,000. Yeah, it was hurting hurting really bad, mate. Uh, I was, um, like I said to you on Saturday, I think I was six for 240 with my captain played after three rounds and I was absolutely packing it. <laughs> but, um, he, he was the catalyst for it too. But, um, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm not selling him. Um, Unless he scores another ten, sort of this weekend looks absolutely uh, abysmal. But the um, yeah, you're right. That round, sort of three or round four onwards for the next few rounds, is just too enticing. So if if, if you're owning, I reckon sort of stick strong there because you're not going to catch up to the guys in front of you by onboarding the same sort of people they have, they have. And there's no way in hell anyone's going to be buying milk, not with a B of sort of 150. So if you want to rise up to the top, he's, he's probably what the sort of guy that you look at his um. His price tag and his break even and go bugger it, just keep him. Yeah, well we'll save we'll save that for the market watch pod. But um offloads he had eight at least, so that was something. Um eight points I should say. But that was something yeah. for him at least. But he, he had zero attack otherwise. So he didn't even get a tackle break, which is very unmilf like. And it was, it was I guess pleasing to hear some comments and stuff this week saying how he's gonna bounce back and he's gonna put in for this week and it's gonna change now and stuff, you know, that was Good to hear, and I think that he will bounce back. So 18 points, real bad week, but um, a couple other people had him as well, and I'll probably highlight the other half in Cody Nicarima, who uh, we, we highlighted could be a potential pod in the um, the preseason podcast, and 435K compared to some of the more expensive fancy options, you know, maybe he could have represented value. He threw out 12 points, and again, no attack at all. He didn't even have the offloads. He, he had four points in tackle breaks, and that was the only form of base attack or overall attack that he had um, at all. So he was bitterly disappointing too. Do you think that he even bounces back, Nikarima? I didn't really like the look of him. Oh, I reckon he will, but um, not in the short term, not when they're playing sort of the Cowboys at home this week. I think playing at home will sort of help, help him out with, it, with the, the larger crowd behind him on a Thursday or a Friday night, a seven a seven-day turnaround and a bit of rest. But, yeah, I can't see him scoring big enough for people wanting to sort of stick with him in the short term with that sort of price tag. So he's a, he's a definite um, big loser for the week. Yep, for sure. All right, let's move on to the Friday games. Uh, the first game to kick off Friday night football for round one was the Newcastle Knights versus the Manly Seagulls. Went into Golden Point, which is great for Supercoach and also great for the fans to watch. 1918, the Newcastle Knights came out victorious. And I really enjoyed this game, Billy. It was a um, it was a nice one to watch. And we're going to start off with the Knights and the um, the winners on the Knights team. And the first one that we have to talk about has got to be our boy Caleb Ponger. Yeah, he um, he looked dangerous right from right from the get go, didn't he? He was pretty much in everything, you know, tackle busting and right side of the field, left side of the field, up the up the middle, kicking goals right over the black dot. He was. He got sort of got sort of half time, and it wasn't even. But honestly, he wasn't even at half time before I was trying to figure out a way to get him in, in my team or give myself an uppercut to not get him. But you can't have everyone, so yeah, he's probably one of the one of the uh, best best actual purchases in real life, but also SE wise for the for the 2018. Hey, 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the Knights fans are really happy. He's, he already is looking like the star that they were hoping he was going to turn into. Just under 420,000. Um, I'm I'm so glad I stuck strong and I held with him. And I was keen on him all pre-season. And it, it's nice when those things pan out. He did have a try and a line break, which accumulated 27 of his uh, 81 points. But even without those, it was clear to see that he's just got such a good um, floor because he had... 12 points in goals, which he's going to continue to kick goals. And he also had 16 points in tackle breaks. And every time that he got the ball, it looked like he was going to get a tackle break. He was just so elusive. Yeah. It was just, it was great to watch. So um, let's not talk about him too much, though, because uh, he could be owned a lot more than what he is. So uh, I don't want anyone else to buy him, really. Let's uh, talk about some other winners. Realistically, it was a pretty good team effort from the Knights. They didn't have any other huge scorers. But I probably would uh, pinpoint two guys who are going to be on a lot of watch lists at the moment. And that is going to be, firstly, Herman SASE, who kind of came out of nowhere a little bit for 64 points at 350 grand. And similar in that pack, Slade Griffin was a bit of a watch and see at 250Kers to uh, how many minutes he was going to get. And he ended up with 68, 69 minutes and a huge score as well. So. I like the look of both of them, Billy. I guess um, I'm I'm going to be watching both of them. Did you have either of those guys in your team for this week, at least? No, um, SESE was looked at his points per minute and kind of figured uh, he'd be getting sort of 50 minutes at the most, and just decided to sort of stay away from the meat and potatoes block at that, at that sort of price. I had a few other guys on the radar, like um, Lodge and TPJ. I was more keen on so. Ended up going with our TPJ up front instead of him. The, the nine, look, he, he did have a try in there. A year he is dual, but they're just one of those guys I decided to sort of stay stay away from. Um, I think you hit a nail on the head. The try LB as well as the um, the extra minutes kind of kicked in there to sort of deflate him a bit. But sit back and I mean all, all points count, so I'll probably sit back and watch this week and just see how the round unfolds before um, I decide what to happen going forward. But two different options if you're um jumped on them or willing to jump on Yeah, for sure. And I think the reason why they were big winners for me too is that the, the minutes that they got, um, that was key because I didn't expect either of them to be able to cement themselves in the rotation for that high minutes, and both of them did. Um, and um, just to recognise Slade Griffin, he uh, he didn't play in Golden Point, so that didn't even affect his score, which was nice, even though the try did. So, yeah, those guys definitely won in the minutes department, so they're on the watch list. Other than that, losers, I don't think that there was any that were um, unexpected. I guess Jamie Bureau for 23 points is really low. Tautau Moga at 19 points is exceptionally low, but you know that's the type of game that he kind of has. Uh, I think he had a bit of a career season last year anyway. So I can't really, uh, I can't really fault any of, the, um, any of the Knights players as losers, really. I think they all put in a pretty good effort, and the guys with low scores really did what was expected. So... Um, so let's move on to their opposition, the um, the Manly Seagulls. So Manly, when you're talking about winners, almost all the time, every week, I think we're going to be t- talking about Tommy Turbo, aren't we? Yeah, I think so, mate. I think if you jumped on, you're happy. If you didn't jump on, you were watching that game going, please stop, please stop, please stop. <laughs> well, it's one of those things too where, um, you know, there wasn't, you got to remember that Manly only scored 18 points too, so... The fact that he busted out 73 points, he did have a a, a try assist and a, and a line break assist in there. But aside from that, you know, he just had some, like what you expect from him, a few offloads, a few TBs, 
and a heap of runs and just looking dangerous. And watching the game, Billy, he he looked like he could have gotten a lot more, like he was unlucky that a few things didn't come off. So he, he looked worth it. Unlike some other guns, he actually looked like he was worth the price tag because that was a quieter game for him and he still, he still hit that 73 points. So let's move on to another winner who really went against the grain on what we thought was going to happen. Uh, Marty Tapao, we were saying pre-season, Billy, um, he needs the minutes to be able to get the big points. And he actually just completely reversed that. And he only got 50 minutes despite Golden Point extra time, which he was playing in. And with that 50 minutes, he threw out 80 points. Yeah, Marty sort of had a bit of a kicker kick at the start here, didn't he? He, um, he had that sort of 50-minute kind of game, but he really found his offload again. Those That was one of the things we were sort of talking about in the preseason podcast. Um, you sort of watch the, the last trial game and see how his offload is going um, with his minutes. Minutes was was a bit of a concern, and it was a uh, it always is pretty warm this time time of year. But he was pretty much fine that offload every set. So yeah, if you if you manage to jump on him, um, given the the dire straits in the front row forward section, I think you ended up coming out of winner with old Marty. Yeah, for sure. I think he ended up with six offloads, um, which um, is phenomenal. But it's something that he can definitely do. Uh, four, I think four effective and, and two ineffective ones, but also these tackle breaks. I guess a good thing too, and why he's such a winner with, with that 80 points, it's not like he had a line break or, or any um, line break assists or tries or anything like that in there. So Had a couple of TBs in there and that 1.6 PPM was just monstrous. Oh, it's great. And um, I guess the only thing with him um, looking ahead is um, – some of the minutes concerns, but I mean, he busted out good good stuff in 50. So um, we might move on to another winner, and that was Apisai Coruscant. So um, he had a great game, 79 points, and he did benefit from um, both Lewis Brown, who was potentially a utility hooker cover, and also Frank Winnerstein not coming onto the field, uh, which is a bit bizarre. They only used 15 players, mainly in a golden point game. But Coruscant played the the full minutes, which was 89 with the golden point, so it was inflated a bit. But we spoke pre-season, Billy, about how, um, you know, Coruscant might be a bit of a big balls pod dark horse. If you're not going to go with Smith, he might have been someone where you could spend and get similar gun money for. And I tell you what, he scored very similar to Smith with 79 points. It's quite um, quite a nice first round for Appy. Yeah, but kind of, you just got to remember, played 89 minutes and had 60 tackles in there, so he's not going to get that, that, uh, that extra nine minutes. Uh, take a few tackles off him. Um, had that L, uh, try assist LB, LB, LBA in there, so a little bit of a tiny extra in there, but um, that's a very, very nice base to you if you picked him. Yeah, he looks like that. Um, taking out the minutes and, and some attack, he's still going to be a 60s type of guy, which is pretty nice, actually. So a few real nice winners in there. Obviously, there was a few other guys that did well, like a Georgie Tafua got 75 and a Sean Lane got 72, but none of those guys really are going to be anyone that someone's buying at this point in time. So let's talk about some of the losers. And look, Daily Cherry Evans, he um, he put up 41 points, so it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. But it is terrible when you start to look at the stats and you also see the game. Um, Oh, we we mentioned him in the preseason too, Billy, because it came out that he had the goal kicking. But out of his forty-one points, mate, he had um, twelve of those just with his goals. Yeah, he had um, twenty-two tackles in there as well, though a few, a few TBs. So that um, forty, where's his base here? It was thirty point thirty points in base. So for 
the guy that didn't have any any try assists, any any line break assists in a half position where you generally kind of expect those stats to to inflate a guy. I wouldn't be too disappointed with the forty one and the run he's got coming up. So not I wouldn't say he's a is a loser at this point, but he's on the watch list, that's for sure. Yeah, I would have felt like a bit of a loser having him this week until I saw, you know, Mill score and a few of these other halves and that's the <laughs> thing you kinda of get the fluctuations and yeah, forty one's not the worst in the world. I guess the thing, um it was it was more of an eye test for me, um, watching the game. He um I I thought that he might have been better this year because he had Lachlan Croker there, so you would expect him to maybe step up without a veteran Blake Green, a guy that can control the game as well a little bit from the half position. I I thought that he might have come out all guns blazing and been the complete centre of all their attack and gotten a bit more involved and stuff, but I didn't really see that as much as I would have liked as an owner, so... Yeah, yeah, but you look at um, look at what happened with the. We'll get to them in a minute, but you look at what happened with the Warriors. Johnson just looks so much more dominant and so much more fluent. Just having a guy like Green sort of offsetting him, so he didn't have to do everything every every single time he got the ball. So maybe it's um, maybe it's having the opposite effect and a little bit of a detriment to Manly at the moment. Yeah, it could very well be. It's a really good point, mate. So it could be something like that. It's definitely going to be a wait and see. But we spoke about Lachlan Croker. And I'm going to put him on a, on the losers list as well. Obviously, when you're 164k odd, you're not going to really be a loser for the season. But for this game, look, I think a few guys played him um, because you normally have to play, you know, at least one cheapie in your 17 a lot of the time for round one. And um, he just he had a bit of a shocker, super coach wise, didn't he? He had had a heap of errors. He didn't look too comfortable out there. And um, before um, I think the super coach countdown show, they were might have been on that one that they were talking about. You know, he might be, he's probably already going to be the, the best cow all year. And um, all of a sudden, you're looking at his score going, geez, this might be a, a much more slower burn than what I was expecting from uh, Lachlan Croker. Yeah, I also had a listen to um, our preseason pods again today on the bus. And one of the things we did talk about was potentially using a strategy where you, you, you load up on sort of um, Munster and Milford and what do you call it, uh, Widdop and guys like that, you forget, Ponga, and you forget a guy like sort of uh, Croker and then maybe take a strategy of whoever doesn't really perform and you downgrade to Croker later. So if anyone was actually uh, <laughs> has, had enough cojones to do something like that, you could, could drop Milf to Croker later. But yeah, you, he's going to rise in cash, but it's going to be a, a slow turn after after the weekend's performance. Yeah, I guess the saving grace is that Eilenstein is rolling average for one price rise, so that's a good thing. So hopefully Lachlan picks it up, but he didn't look good for, for round one. That's why we got him as a loser, um, and he also didn't have, I believe he didn't have one attacking point, whether that's um, his clutch attack or whether that's his base attack. He had nothing, I'm pretty sure. Oh, sorry, he had um, he had a couple of tackle breaks, so that was about it. Ah, uh, well, never fear, mate. Milford's first game at the number six jersey for the Broncos um, two or three years ago. He touched the ball three times and scored a four. So <laughs> the, only way is up. the only way is up. Only way is up. And um, and on that note, I think that we might move on to the next game, which looking at the the Friday night one, we finished off with the, um, the big one, which was the Cowboys versus Sharks, which is always a pretty interesting encounter. And sometimes a little bit fiery as well, and that happened afterwards with the Gavin Cooper leg twist controversy. But um, let's uh, let's talk about the North Queensland Cowboys first, Billy. I uh, I 
was struggling a little bit with the winners for this game actually all up because I actually thought it was a pretty ordinary game myself. I um I thought both teams were a bit off the pace. Both teams' attack looked pretty clunky to me. But, you know, with the Cowboys, I was struggling to say that Thurston was a winner, but I also didn't want to put him in the loser category. So he might be one of those rare instances where we talk about him as a tweener. He's a bit of a glass half full, glass half empty. So 54 points Thurston had. Now, I took, a, I took a glass half empty approach, and you'll probably take a glass half full approach or vice versa, so we'll see how we go. But I guess, that, you know, the, the half empty approach is that 54 points isn't great. His team did score some reasonable points, and they did win the match. And he did have the opportunity, and he looked a little bit behind the pace. He made a, a few errors, including one of our new stat errors with kicking the ball dead. He got a minus 3 four, two. I think he had um, more than minus minus twelve, yeah, minus thirteen points, plus his missed goals. So minus nineteen points he had, including his missed goals, two of five conversions. So the glass half full, though, obviously, is if you look at it, minus nineteen points, he's not going to do every week, especially JT. And if you add that onto his score of fifty four in a game where he looked really behind the pace, he's probably looking. He's probably looking okay. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he have a um, try assist at an LBA uh, disallowed earlier in the game as well? Uh, I think right he definitely, yeah, he did. You're correct. It was um, an obstruction call. So he could have had that go his way as well. Yeah, so look, I think we, we talked earlier in the, in, the year about, in the podcast about him averaging 47 versus his first four opponents. And I, <laughs> it's good that we're right on the money, but I was watching that game in the field going, oh, Christ, his shoulder's good and he's absolutely tearing these teams apart. After that first five minutes, I was really scared. So he's um, definitely a half glass full kind of thing, and I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of glad he didn't go too too mental. Yeah, oh, I wasn't glad because I had him and was starting him, so <laughs> I wanted all those points. But he did get the attack at least. Um, Michael Morgan wasn't there, so I know a few guys got a little bit worried this game because they were expecting a big 75, 80 points from JT, and it didn't happen. But 54 points when he was really looking behind the pace and he shanked a couple of few, of uh, penal, uh, sorry conversions with his goal kicking that he'd normally hit. It's not too bad. But the other winner that I thought, even though he didn't put up the biggest score, was 66 points from Jason Tomalolo. And I say that because um, a bit more of the eye tests than the points. He, um, he looked pretty damaging to me. And he looked like a couple of times he was going to poke his head through and and go through almost, um, and even one time I thought he was going to go through and score a try. So he did all that in um, fairly limited minutes. He was 10 minutes below his average last year, and that was a theme that we were worried about Billy in the preseason, but he still came through with a solid 66. Yeah, 30 points in hit-ups, and although he only had the sort of one offload, there were the five TBs which just started racking their stats up and turning them over two by two by two. So I think he was another one that came very, very close to having a try too. So... Um, that 66 and 53 minutes. I'll tell you what, you, I wouldn't say you got lucky there. Uh, I think you actually got unlucky with, with the minutes only being 53 and him only scoring 66. I think uh, he looks like an astute buy at the moment, but we'll see what happens over the next few, few weeks in his minutes. Yeah, good call. Good, good call if you got him. Yeah, I mean, we were both pretty against him in the preseason, but um, I'd be very happy if I owned him right now. I'm watching that first game in limited minutes. Other than that, though, there really wasn't very many standouts for the Cowboys, and that's the type of game it was. It wasn't um, it wasn't a fantastic game. 
Cohen Hess got his 70 points as well, but, you know, he did that by getting another try, which eventually we might just have to say, you know what, Cohen Hess is a guy that's just going to keep scoring tries. Yeah, he does. I was going to shout him out as a winner because (laughs) that's all he ever does. Just comes on the field for 40, 50 minutes and just goes over. It's like like you've got a... um, you know, a watch on repeat. You just know that you know every, every hour it's going to hit that twelve o'clock mark every week. You just he's just going to keep going over. But uh, look, it's not sustainable. But it's if you, at his price, you're not going to buy him. But um, yeah, definitely a winner if you if you did jump on for now. Yeah, for now, for round one anyway. So other than that, um, I did have uh, a couple of losers, although you know they weren't massive ones. Gavin Cooper came through with 57 points, but I still have him in the loser category because his work rate just wasn't good. So he had 57 points, but 17 points of that came through a try with no LB attached to it. So he only had 40 points if he didn't score that try. And um, I know a few people around the traps were thinking, oh, maybe, you know, with JT back and everything, he might um, he might start to fire, but his work rate just wasn't there. 40 points minus a try. He was um, he was looking pretty, pretty old, to be honest. But the other big loser... That um, I'm going to hand over to you to give your assessment on Billy Matthew Scott, 35 points. I think uh, his minutes went through the absolute floor at 33 minutes. I'm pretty sure he was at which is, which is just horrid, isn't it? Yeah, I thought he might have got 45, but yeah, 35. Look, I think I think if you bought no, sorry, that's Scott Bolton. Sorry, um, you're talking about um, where is he? Matt Scott. Uh, Matt Scott. Yeah, he did get three, 33 minutes. Look, if you bought Matt Scott, I think you got what you paid for, a point-per-minute type guy. But I think most people that bought him were probably expecting sort of a minimum of 45. So he would be maybe one more week watch at the most um, just to see what happens. Second game, match fitness. Maybe they were easing him back after his injury just, just to see how far he could stretch. But, yeah, if that doesn't get up to 45 by round two, you've got to neck him. Yep, definitely. And I, I think he's a big loser looking at those minutes from the first round of games. So let's uh, let's move on to the the Sharkies. I thought their attack looked pretty bad, and they were talking about changes and stuff for round two. But um, heading the the winners list is a bit hard for the Sharks because again, it's the same type of thing where you know they went down. They didn't really look like scoring any points either. They were lucky they got an intercept, and I guess Fafita could be a little bit of a winner because he did come through. With 57 points, it looked like it was going to be closer to 65 on the night, um, but he's downgraded to a 57. But his work rate was pretty decent, and I think that he played uh, 59 minutes as well, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, the minutes was positive, and the scoring was solid, considering it was a bit of a bit of a crappy game, to be honest, I guess. Yeah, I think we're pretty much on the money there with, with Fifi. Starts pretty slow to the year. There was nothing really out of the ordinary there. 58 minutes, 57 points. I think you got what you paid for, you got what you expected, and you pretty much got bang on what the stats have said for the last the three or four years. So, yeah, pretty much, I uh, wouldn't, wouldn't say a loser there, but he's, 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 he's on the watch list. Yeah, I'd be, to be honest, I'd be reasonably happy with it. I'd, I'd have him in the winner category. But I do that because, you know, he's, he's the equal top scoring shark out of everyone, and the other one was Wade Graham. Other other than those guys, no one even hit fifties in the Sharks team aside from Chad yeah, Townsend. Graham, Graham only played sixty eight minutes too. Does, does he normally play eighty? Yeah, he'll normally play eighty. He um he went off with a concussion HIA test, so he he does that quite a bit, unfortunately, um in recent times yeah. since it's come in. Yeah, he could have been around the sixty five mark at least. 
Yeah, but outside so outside of Fafita and um, Gray and Billy, there wasn't really there wasn't really much to be happy about in the Sharks team. There was certainly some losers to talk about. So let's just move straight on to them because that's going to take a while. The first one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was that type of game. The first one I'm going to throw up there is Matthew Moylan, 32 points. And like the trials, he just he didn't look like he was going to be able to spark any attack. Um, and he looked a bit out of place in the number six jersey to me, as he has in the past. He had 20 tackles in his 32 points and one offload effective gave him four points and a TB. And, you know, then his runs basically and then just a heap of errors, like kicking the ball dead twice for that new stat he got minus six on. Plus, he's minus four in errors and a couple of missed tackles. And he had no other attacking stats to his name. So he wasn't involved in any of the tries at all. He's he's looking pretty horrid right now. Yeah, look, we talked about him earlier as, as a potential candidate, but more, like, more than likely a watch. Uh, first game versus the Cowboys, you, you weren't really expecting too much of a high score, but it was pretty horrid to watch, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and certainly if anyone um, got him as a pod, then I think they're going to be trading him out pretty soon because I don't think that's going to improve. Did not look good, and another guy that did not look good was Valentine Holmes at fullback. He um, he didn't have a great game. He scored thirty three points, which is not good at all. And for four hundred fifty one thousand, you obviously expected more in round one. But the the bigger story out of it is he actually had a line break in that game. So I mean. You know, you take out that line break and he's on 23 points. And he had a, a couple of offloads, which was uh, quite nice, and, and six points in tackle breaks. But it just shows how bad his base is. Um, and as a fullback, you, you kind of expect him to, to rack up a bit more. Yeah, it wasn't even just that, mate. He was absolutely horrid under that high. I mean, an umbrella probably could have caught more than he did. He <laughs> just looked, looked like he had absolutely no idea. So... I mean, would it surprise you if he went to wing this week or you reckon they give him one, one more shot back there to see what happens? Because with Katoa leaving, someone's got someone's to go out there. I mean, they've, they've chucked, they've named Gray for now, but how long do you reckon they'll leave him at, full, at fullback? Look, I'm not sure. I think it'll be, I think it'll be within a couple of weeks he'll lose that job full-time. Um, I think there was some news that they were maybe going to job share it for a little bit, but I don't think that'll last very long. He didn't look comfortable. Round one, it was a bad round one performance. Yeah, he, he he was that bad. It's you, you, can, you can leave a guy in a position for a couple of rounds to just just to um, let, let him find his feet. But this is NRL elite competition, and for guys and performing, it's going to cost you under, under a high ball. You can't you can't afford not to neck him. So I can't see him getting too many chances there. Yeah, big loser for round one, but one of the few fullbacks, Billy, who I actually think will be better on the wing than what he would be at fullback. So <laughs> for super coach anyway, and actually for real life too. So let's move on to uh, the elephant in the room. Paul Gallant got thrown on the bench to start this game um, and he came on for 40 points. Anyone who spent near 675000 for his 40 points would have been absolutely filthy for round one, Billy. Was he crook? I don't know what it was. I think um, I think that he hadn't had much game time, if any, in the trials and... Um, I think that he just hadn't been training a lot and they just didn't want to put him in for the full workload that he normally has. Yeah, um, so obviously, yeah, coming coming back from injury is one thing. Uh, I heard some idiotic, I'm not sure if it's idiotic, but I heard something about it was what the two years, 200th game or 250th game or something or other, that you're not going to start a guy over Gallon just because it's your 250th. You're going to um, pick anyone else yep. in that pack to do that to other than Paul Gallon, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. 
you maybe let the guy lead, lead, lead him out of the sheds. Um, you don't you don't replace the uh, best starting thirteen the club's ever had. The the other thing mm-hmm. is that he maybe he wasn't feel he came off towards the end too before the end of the game when when so maybe, maybe the game uh, what was the score when he came off? When he came off, um, I think yeah. that the Cowboys were up. Oh, the Cowboys, I think, were up by a dozen points or something. But the, the Sharks came back. So, I mean, it was a close game in the end, and he still stayed off. But, yeah. Yeah, he would have had to be really gone if, if it was within sort of striking distance. And they, uh, they um, I was going to say, say pulled him off. I said, don't say that. I was going to say, jack me off. But <laughs> 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 when they got him off the field at the 70th minute, he, he, must, he must have been cooked for them to pull him around there. So, yeah, look, he's, he's a wait and see, mate. But, um, yeah, I don't own him. So if you're owning each of their own. Yeah, you wouldn't have liked round one. Um, I think the thing that stood out for me, looking at the stats from round one review, he um, he only had 13 points in runs, which is very ungallon-like. So um, yeah. he definitely didn't look right. But fingers crossed for round two, and we'll be able to talk about a better performance next week. So yeah. other than uh, other than Gao, you know, there was a heap of guys that had stinkers, but no one that was really that super coach relevant that we need to touch on. So aside from uh, not a loser, uh, but poor Katoa, Obviously broke his jaw, so he's going to be gone for maybe ten weeks or something like that. So um, yeah, that's a bit of a blow. And anyone that played him, six points. Um, I was really not liking playing him against the Cowboys up there. <laughs> I um, I thankfully played Richie Kenner, but um, he wasn't one of the cheapies I wanted to play. But commiserations to all those that played him for six points in round one. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> on that note, let's move on. Even though I really don't want to, the Saturday games kicks off with the West Tigers. With a boil over win over the Sydney Roosters, my boys absolutely killed me. How good was that? <laughs> I um, it ruined my Saturday night. I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna oh, say that, mate. Mate, it was good for footy. <laughs> it just goes to show you there are there are some patterns that just don't change. You know? Tigers come out of the blocks and win their first one or two games, and then just do nothing for the next <laughs> twenty rounds, and then make a couple of cameos at the end of the year. Oh yeah, look. It's um. Let's we'll start off with the Roosters, and there wasn't, as you can tell, the scoreline was a soccer match at halftime of two all, so there wasn't a hell of a lot of points on offer for either side. So there's not going to be too many winners. The Roosters especially didn't have hardly any winners, but one guy that absolutely blitzed it, and in this type of game is is crazy. Blake Ferguson, ninety one points, and he did that with a try, three line breaks. And ten points in TVs. Like, what an absolute beast of a performance in a in a team that got pretty dominated by the Tigers, Billy. Yeah, um, thirty points in the HH too. So fifteen hit ups over over um, eight meters, dude. Really nice points. I um, that made me take notice of Ferguson because he um, he really got his base attack and attack was up there, but he also had those nice runs, like you said. He was just going to get thirty six points in his running. So um, yeah, he, he looked yeah. really good. Just be just be wary of him. He, he did this last year as well. There are a couple of games last year where he had sort of three line breaks for thirty points and hit ups, and you've got to watch the fluctuation with him. We we did call him out as a potential pod with their run on the right side near Cronk as opposed to going left if you wanted a cheaper cheaper version of uh, Tupu. Yeah, um, but but um, yeah. I mean, congrats to the people that jumped on him. I'd be sort of watching him for another week and, and see what a consistency is like before I. Uh, I jump on, but um, if you own someone like a, a Jared Hayne or someone or or, or a Tupu and 
they're not really performing and they have like a massive B and this guy chucks another ton up um, this week. Yeah, it could be a get-out clause. Yeah, he could be. Um, I tend to think um, that he, he got more opportunity because um, Kiri was out on the other side as well. So that limited Latrell yeah. and um, Tupo probably getting as yeah. much ball as they normally would. The other winner I'll throw out there was uh, Ryan Madison. So I've had big raps on Madison for a long time. And he actually started the game with Boyd Cordner coming on off the bench because he is still carrying a few niggles and things. And Madison had 57 points, which isn't phenomenal, but um, just the fact that he got that opportunity and he played pretty well in a pretty beaten down pack um, wasn't a bad effort. But we won't focus on him too much, Billy, because we want to get through these losers and we don't want to take too long doing it. And there's a long, long list. So number one loser, who would have thought we would have been saying James Tedesco for 35 points round one? Thank you very much, round one, Captain Billy. Tell me about it. Times by two, brother. Worst 70 points I've ever scored. Never been so unhappy with 70 points. Oh, mate, that was the upgraded version. We were sitting on um, (laughs) 48 or something at one point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it was was pretty tough to take, mate. Uh, The first three rounds, I just wanted to crawl into a hole and just hide there. But uh, there was a few rays of sunshine, but we're talking about chooks right now. So, (laughs) look, Tedesco, you've got to hold strong. He's, remember we talked about his, his numbers earlier. The first couple of rounds, the last couple of years, there's, 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 there's been a lower score in there, but he's always preceded that with a large one or followed it up with a large one. So I reckon he'll bounce back with a large one this week. But um, we said that last week, so let's wait and see. Yeah, I think round two will be fine. But um, the concerning thing is looking at round one in review, his stats, reviewing them were um, pretty unteddy like um, he, he had minus six in errors. But the big concern for me was he only had one tackle break, one offload, and 22 points in runs was okay. But, geez, he's, he's lucky he got a uh, line break assist because that extra eight points is what got him from 27 to 35. So his work rate just wasn't there and he looked really rattled. So let's cross our fingers for round two and hope he's not a loser next week again. But the other big superstar round one loser for the Roosters was Boyd Cordner. But... He's a loser because he only brought in 41 points for 560 grand, but he was obviously underdone and he got benched pre-game. So really in his minutes, he couldn't have done much else than what he did. He still wrapped up some decent work and stuff. I think he'll be fine once he's getting his minutes, Billy, normally. Yeah, yeah 100%, mate. He, um, what, did, what did he have? Uh, that's why he had 56 minutes, so yeah. Um, you can't really take too much away from that. His team list is due to start this week. What's his name has gone back to the bench. But uh, yeah, uh, the other thing we've got to mention too, Madison's 57 was only on 58 minutes. So um, yeah, he, he, he's a, he, like you were saying before, he's a definite gun if he ever gets the starting gig. But um, for now, yeah, if, if you're on corner, just sit and hold on him. Those, those minutes will jump right back up very soon. Yep. And then we're going to talk about an even more woeful performance. And it was a duo performance, the same side of the field. The Roosters' centre and wing combination of Latrell Mitchell and Daniel Tupo. Latrell Mitchell, I was very surprised to realise pre-game that he was owned by about 33% of coaches, actually kicked goals, which was a bonus because we didn't think that he would and he was still owned by 33% of coaches. His base was absolutely horrendous. For his 32 points, you know, he had 16 tackles, but he only had nine points from runs. And I was saying this preseason, Billy, he gets his TBs and his offloads from his running, and if he's been lazy and not looking for the ball and running, he's not going to get any of it. And that's that's precisely what happened round one. 
Yep, we've talked about this preseason, and I think the two stats I chucked out were his um, 30-something with a try in the last game of the year and his 20-something without a try in the second-last game of the year, and both of those were versus ordinary teams like uh, Titans or Warriors or Newcastle. I can't re- remember which two they were, but it was those two games alone which kind of turned us off him, but but there was also that flip side as well. I mean, let's not sit on our high horse and pat ourselves on the back too much here because with their run, he's the type of bloke who can punch out a 110-120 next week, especially if he's kicking goals. But I'm just thankful that uh, 33% of people go to 32. But um, yeah, loser this week, but let's see what happens next week with him and, him and Tupu. Yeah, and we won't be able to pat ourselves on the back because um, I was spruiking Tupu in the um, pre-season for sure. And um, we were talking about He's nice base and he throws out a 29 for us. So we certainly got that wrong wrong for round one with Tupo. And out of that as well, you know, the the real discouraging thing is he had 30 points in his runs. So that was pretty good. But he had um he had minus 10 points in his in his errors um, and negative stats. So he just he, he could have hit a 39, which in that type of game, you know, you you would have thought was okay for a winger. And that's a sort of real decent lowest floor that we were kind of hoping for but yeah it just it wasn't good I'm hoping that Tupo bounces back but if he doesn't next week and we're talking about him as a loser round two it might just be a trade out just to get um just to get the cash back that you're about to lose yeah wait and see what happens what happens with uh Kiri mate maybe maybe at least watch the um the volume of traffic that side and make a decision based on how much ball you think you'll get yeah and I think that's a that's the main thing when Kiri comes back, I think it's going to be a, a different team anyway. So I don't think that we'll be talking about Latrell and Daniel Tupo as losers for very long. So let's talk about our final one on the Roosters list. And that was Takiaho. I um, I was a little surprised with the amount of people in the week before kickoff jumping all over him. He's disappointed before and he's done this. And I believe that I said he's very meat and potatoes. I've gotten several... Several players wrong in round one, Billy, but one of them that I didn't was Takiyaho, 38 points, lost the goal kicking, which no one knew about, so that didn't help him. And even though he started, he only had 48 minutes. But you know what was worse than that 48 minutes? The fact that he scored 38 points in 48 minutes as a middle forward. Horrendous. Yeah, pretty good theory, wasn't it? Yeah, his stats say he's just beaten potatoes. He was much better two or three years ago. I don't know what's changed between now and then or then or now, whatever, however you want to say it. But, um, yeah, I think the thing that scared a lot of people off was the fact, A, goal-kicking, is he going to get it? Is he not going to get it? How many how many, how many, many attempts is he going to get when he comes off the bench? Because he's not going to play 80. What's the rotation like? When does Napa eventually go back? Does Hargreaves eventually go back? Cord was on, on on the bench too. I mean, what happens with Louis? He had the rotations. T- too too much, too many um, uncertainties there. So, for the for the people that laid him, probably a, a good outcome. For the people that didn't, um, yeah, he's, he's he's not even one of those wait and sees. I reckon he's get him out as soon as he can. Yeah, I agree. Poor round one performance. Probably one of the top losers of round one, to be honest, because of his ownership. It was in, I think it was in the mid twenties, and he's down to fifteen percent already because everyone's just clamouring to get him out of their team. Uh, might have even been as high as 30%. So, yeah, he's he's gone. And realistically, the Roosters were, were pretty terrible round one. So I'm prepared to write that one off as a bad round one one where I'll say the whole Roosters team were losers and we'll hope for a better round two. So let's talk about the following game. That was the South Sydney Rabbitohs going down 
to the Warriors. Warriors defeating them 32 to 20. And this one, I didn't expect either. So the Warriors obviously have a really bad record in Perth, whereas the Rabbitohs have a really good record. GI got um, named to play despite the um, the thoughts that he might be rested and the talk about him being left out of the team for maybe even a couple of weeks. But South Billy, let's um, talk about the winners first and then we'll go into the losers. Winners for me, Sam Burgess was everything that we've come come to expect from Sergis. He um, pretty much looked like the Sam Burgess we've all owned before and pretty much gave us what we paid for as well. Yeah, pretty much bang on the money. Um, him back in the 13 jersey. Murray on the bench was, was a bloody concern because you don't know wh- whether that was just him being eased back from injury or what and how long Sam was going to play in the 13 jersey and what the rotations were going to be like. I think that's kind of been answered a little bit this week with Sam moving up in, into the forwards, sorry, into the front row. I'm happy with that. Um, at least you know he's still going to get, going to get sort of 60, 65 minutes, but be interesting to see what the rotation is and what Murray's price is in sort of four or five weeks. No, it will be really interesting how that plays out, but Burgess's stats were, were really nice to see, and I was pretty happy that I started with him. Because he's 63 points, he was a little bit higher and got downgraded, unfortunately, but he had uh, 12 points in offloads, which is what you want to see, and he also had 39 in tackles, which is really great. So uh, his, his hit-ups are a little bit down, but the fact that he, he was offloading and getting a high work rate in his tackling, really good sign to hit the 60s early on, and I think that he's going to be good. And speaking of good, your mate Angus, 609000 I didn't want to pay for him. Came in with 69 points straight off the bat, mate. Go on, just say it for me. Say Crichton. Nah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> I, I tried not to call him Crichton, so I don't um, sound like I'm going against you in a Crichton versus Crichton war. But um, yeah, mate, Crichton uh, had his 10 points from his line break um, that he got as well in there, but he's another guy that just seems to get him. Uh, but he had 30 points in tackles and 25 points in hit-ups. So 20 tackles and his hit-ups, he had 55 points there already. So... He is just a beast, like you said, Billy. Yeah, he was all over the place again. Um, he's a little bit sort of quiet early, early on, but then, then the TV started coming. You could see him do one run, and there was the, the sideways shuffle for two or three TVs and then offload. So there were a few eight-point runs here and there, which kind of made me made me feel at ease, which was good. Um, uh, reasonably okay with the 69. I was kind of hoping for a little bit more versus that team to start the year, but um, I'll, I'll take the 70 after this round, mate, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another big South Sydney winner was a guy that I was clamouring to get into my team, and I thought that he was going to be a big winner for round one, and he was the best-scoring Rabbitoh at 80 points. Cody Walker couldn't fit the guy in because he's, you know, that fullback, fullback halves position with all those other guys that you've got to fit in. It was just too hard. Scored a double, which is both good and bad because he had 54 points between his two tries and his two line breaks. Obviously, a round one winner with 80 points, but I guess that's a little silver lining if you didn't get him in, Billy, that 54 points of his 80 was through try scoring. Yeah, um, maybe this is just me being bitter, but I'm not really calling him a winner, mate. A guy that just scored in the third minute and then did absolutely nothing until right again at the end, that's, that's screaming... <laughs> Yeah, red flags for me, and I was kind of glad that I laid off him. And then now um, Reynolds has been uh, named as injured for the next sort of few weeks. It's kind of okay. I think the um, I think the old um, n- number six owners have got a little bit of a reprieve with uh, Walker, but 
yeah, if you've got the eighty points, good on you. But we'll, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Mate, one thing when we're doing a review of round one, we can't possibly call anyone with eighty points a loser. Put it that way; <laughs> they've got to be a winner. Doesn't matter how they get it, Billy. <laughs> so, um, Damien Cook, Damien Cook. We, um, I think it wasn't too hard to nail this guy being a good player. Everyone, once Robbie Farrow wasn't in the picture, everyone knew that he was going to be good. And he rewarded everyone with 67 points, um, looked good again. And he is owned by 27% of teams, which is probably low at the moment, to be honest. Because yeah, surprised at that. thought he'd be more. Yeah, I did as well. I mean, he had 42 points in tackles, which, you know, he had he had 10 points in a line break and 10 points in TBs. But with the sort of game that he's got and the type of attack that he has, you expect him to hit some attack anyway. So, you know, yeah. he's, he's going to hit some of that. Yeah, sorry, mate. I was just going to say the thing that excites me is that he had sort of um, seven seven um, runs at H eight, so fourteen points there. So you know he's um, he's know you know he's taking those lines whenever he can. So those lbs and tackle busts are going to come when he when he shoves a couple off. So if he can get punched out those those forty points in tackles, mate, Bob your uncle will take anything anything you can get with those extra hit ups and and um, and busted offloads. Yeah, well, you're getting mid fifties in a poor game the way he's looking. So. He looks yeah, fantastic. What a winner. He's going to be a winner all year. I can see it coming. But yeah. one guy that's not going to be a winner all year uh, is going to be Greg Inglis, who did wasn't going to play, was going to play, wasn't going to play, ended up playing and had 33 points, which included a last touch and, you know, only made four tackles and didn't really do much else. There was a lot of zeros in his performance when you're looking at his super coach profile. And uh, you have to think that, Billy, they're just looking at the points and how he scored them. He's just being eased back whilst playing, it looks like. He's not going to do too much, I don't think. Yeah, mate, it's funny. His stats actually look like Morse code. Zero one, zero one, zero 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 one. <laughs> oh, look, there's an offload. No, he's pretty, he was pretty ordinary, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a definite loser. And I, I, was, um, I wanted him three months ago, but um, obviously the gloss went off pretty quick. Someone who's probably even a bigger loser than what Greg Inglis is, though, is... Cameron Murray on 22 points. So just looking squarely at round one, obviously things can change in the future, but round one he was benched and had his 22 points and Sergis was playing in the number 13 jersey and he's just went out of Supercoach teams almost instantaneously and was barely owned, which he shouldn't have been. So, you know, he was someone who had a bit of, fair bit of popularity in the preseason and, um, People thought he had a lot of upside and he's ended up being benched anyway, Billy. So that's what happens with your preseason work. Come round one, mate. It's all losers anyway. <laughs> yeah, positive, positive signs, but pretty much 20 points in base uh, with, with a tackle bust off 28 minutes. So if he can get those um, those minutes up, then yeah, Bob's your uncle. But everyone will be on him by around four or five bucks. So let's just wait for that little price drop and see what happens. Yep. And I guess the other losers in the Souths team, really, aside from those couple of guys, everyone else we kind of expected to do what they did. We did miss out on a cheapie, though, that we should have mentioned, uh, and that was Richie Kenner. He had a double, and um, he was somebody who was not spoken about anywhere near on the radar as what Cam Murray was, but proved to be a much better purchase for round one as far as the cash cow goes. 80 points, which at his price of 239k, you couldn't really expect much more. 
Yeah, true, mate. Um, he's one of those guys where twenty points in base, he's always going to have to go over the line to give you give you a, a 50, 50 score. Playing the Warriors, probably a very good shot for anyone that kind of played him. Having having the um, having the two tries was just icing on the cake. There wasn't too many sort of H8s in there. The just two LBs with the two tries, but that's what happens with wingers, mate. You take the punt, you pick the team that you want to play in played him against and you, and you reap the reward. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start him this week, I think. Yep. And moving on from South, let's talk about their opposition. The Warriors had a big name winner in Sean Johnson. So he's the number one winner for that team for me. 86 points, so he top scored for them. But he uh, had 16 points from goals, but he did everything that Sean Johnson does. 20 points in line breaks, 10 points in tackle breaks. 24 points in try assists. He was just doing everything. So anyone who went for Sean Johnson at 641,000, they did really well for themselves around one, Billy. Yeah, um, I was absolutely filthy um, that I dropped. I had a Cleary all preseason, and then I dropped him for JT, and then I gave myself an uppercut and said, no, nah, stick with your guns. And But I ended up switching to Johnson at the last minute. I looked at his run and thought, no, nah, he's... He's probably a, a, a better candidate, um, so I'll, I'll wait and see on Cleary. So I'm, I'm glad he scored the 86. I would have been filthy if I missed out on Cleary's 80. But yeah, pre- pretty excited with, with his output and, and his opposition this week. So absolute definite winner, winner if you if you were lucky enough to pick him. Yep, and uh, a guy that was um, reaping some of those rewards as well, playing with Sean Johnson was Tohu Harris, who um, a lot of people stayed off, and I wasn't um, I wasn't very keen on at all especially being he was at the Warriors, and that's why he's only owned by about 3 or 4% of teams, I think. 68 points for him. He did have a try assist in there, um, but you know what? He um, he did pretty well, and he looks like that he, um, him and the Warriors might be a little bit better than what we gave him credit for, at least for round one, he's a winner. Yeah, sure. Um, had two line break assists in there, so there's uh, 28, 28 points and extras to take into account. We'll see what happens this week, but yeah, 68 points and 68 points, mate. So yeah, def- definite winner. And I, I dare say he's not exactly the the same mould as the other sort of people who have let, left Melbourne and done nothing. I reckon he'll continue a little bit of output like this. So yeah, if you've got him, yeah, absolutely, yeah, good luck. Yeah, and it, it was very much um, the winners were very much uh, pod winners for um, the Warriors as well. Um, so he was one at, at uh, three or four percent. Roger Tuabazashek was at 4% and he busted out at 65 as well. And he did something that he was doing um, towards the back end of last year. In that last third of last season, he started to pick up points through a bit of ball playing, which he's not really known for. And this game, he had two line break assists with the two try assists, uh, which gave him obviously 40 points out of his 65. But he was doing that a lot of games at the end of last year, Billy, and we got to see it round one straight up. Yeah, I'd prefer a fullback to get more in hit-ups and tackle busts because, you know, they don't need to go over the line to give you those sorts of points, just like the way... Um, I was going to say Teddy and Turbo, but I'll Turbo. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, you definitely a, a lower-value option that's sort of got off to a good start. I'd be a little bit concerned with his output with two tries and two tries and two line-breakers. Two try assists and two line-breaker assists are only giving you a 65, but 65 points, 65 points, so winner, we move on. Yep, and I guess another couple of uh, cheap winners were certainly Papali, who, um, if anyone was um, 
arsy enough to have Papali in their side. He looked like he was going to be pretty risky. He didn't he didn't score at a good rate, which he doesn't do, but he managed to get a try. So um, him and Sal got to start in that back row, and they both played reasonably well. So, I mean, if you've got Isaiah Papali and you've got 58 points out of him for a, almost a basement cheapie at 225k, 46 points out of Sal at 192k, I'm not going to say that they're full-blown winners, Billy, but... Um, you know, if you are enough to have him, you've done well for round one and you can cross your fingers, I guess. Yeah, you wouldn't buy him now, um, especially with the unknown of when Mattering is coming back and whoever goes to the edge. But, um, yeah, if you got him, good luck. 58 points. I'm going to absolutely... Um, yeah. Isaiah Papali's down as a winner um, as far as the cheapy market's concerned, but I'm absolutely going to smash him right now. He's... He he was atrocious as far as his points. If if you don't have that try in there, like he's played big minutes there, and um, he should have done way better. He had a base of thirty four points, which is just really bad signs for him in the future. So if you own him, good luck for round one. You're a winner, but I dare say you're going to be a loser in these future weeks. I reckon so, mate. We can agree there. So everyone else, um, pretty much what we sort of expected. So let's move on to the um, final game of the Saturday. That was the Canterbury Bulldogs getting blitzed. Hey, just, just, just quickly, before we move on, yep. I actually got that Sao bloke hoping that Mannering would be out for four weeks and then get a few scores and then go back to the bench. What do you reckon if he's uh, 46 points in 40 minutes and how long do you think Mannering is out for? Uh, well, there was, there was talk that he might even be up, up to six, up to round six or something. So, I mean, if Mannering's out until round six, what, you're going to get a round three, four and five price rise. So... I guess you need to do the maths and see whether the three price rises is going to be worth it. But, um, you know, I think it, it could well be. Um, I don't know if he's going to have much more upside, though, than doing sort of 46 to 55 point range. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm just hoping for a couple of attacking stats off the back of a 192k price tag. Anyway, Mattering is a little bit of a watch. I'll call him a glass half empty type. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. 36 to 18, the Melbourne Storm beat the Bulldogs in the final Super Saturday game. And this was one where I thought it might have actually been a bit closer with um, the team's not as good starting off better normally at the beginning of the season and they fade a little bit. So, um, yeah, the Melbourne Storm, clinical as always. And one of the winners was uh, your your mate, Cameron Munster. And it pains me to have to bring him up, Billy, because I know you're all over him and I'm, I'm really not. But he got to play fullback. I dare say that round two, he's not going to be full back and that's going to impact his score. But 101 points from the Munster, 36 in TS and another 20 in his line breaks and another eight in his line break assists. He just racked up the attacking stats against the Doggies. Yeah, I'm not going to take too much credit here because I was planning on him playing six, not one. Good start. Happy happy I got him. Um, good, good, reasonable low ownership around sort of 10% probably a watch and see what happens over over the next few weeks when he, when he's back at the six. But I think the fact that, um, what's his name uh, on the right hand side, Croft was pretty ordinary. Ho- hopefully he gets a little bit more ball this time on, on the left hand side. But yeah, pr- I'm pretty excited to see what his output's like um, next couple of weeks. Definite winner. Yep. And, um, you know, I I don't want to put Cam Schiff down as a winner because he gave 66 points, which is basically average for him. But yeah. He's- Downgraded too. Yeah, which um, you know, you, you got to feel like a loser when when you got Cam Smith and he gets downgraded. It only happened once a season. 
But um, <laughs> so it was really, um, even though that Melbourne were quite dominant in this game, it really was a bit of a Melbourne machine effort where they just went through, did what they do, and uh, rolled through to an easy win. But they didn't really have a lot of guys aside from Munster that were big winners. Munster basically took the super coach stats all up, all in his back and did it himself. Um, aside from Cam's cameo, so mate, they they actually looked like it was the same machine, but it just wasn't as oiled as usual. So mm. um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens over over the next couple of rounds and see what the difference Slater makes at the back and, and Munster in the halves. Uh, um, see how see how much they um how much more they possibly fire. Yeah, for sure. And it's normally um, it's one of those things where it's a good example where um. You know, their dominance on the field on Saturday night and scoring 36 points didn't translate to supercoach dominance because they didn't have very many players that were very good at all. So really, their big winner was Cameron um, Munster. And aside from that, Cam Smith did his job, but nothing else of real note. But in the loser department, they had a few stickers. And one of those that I'm going to throw up there, even though he put up pretty much what he was putting up last year, Jesse Bromwich, a lot of people were big on him in the preseason and he was owned by, I think, about 36% of teams and he threw up 45 points, didn't get the minutes, which is pretty much the story of his demise from a few years ago. And in that rotation, doesn't look like he's going to get the minutes. And for round one, 45 points from Jesse Bromwich, I'm sure everyone was expecting quite a bit more. Uh, I'm not sure how much more they would have been expecting. Um 55 at the most, I think, is what you're going to get. So even if he did get an extra sort of seven minutes, you were looking at a 52-53 score. So I think you pretty much did kind of get what you paid for. You haven't spoken to enough of the Jesse Bromwich owners and optimists, mate. There, uh, there was a lot of people convinced he was going to go 60s and fire away into his old, old gun territory of a couple of years ago. <laughs> I think we were the pessimists. Yeah, I think people don't change overnight, mate. Yeah, maybe maybe people bought him on on the glimmer of hope that he was maybe showing in that uh, first or second trial, where he had um, limited minutes and he, and what did he have a try or a try assist and a couple of offloads? He it, it, yep. it had a decent SC bit of SC output, but yeah, like, low minutes again. He's obviously a concern. Yep, big concern as is Brody Croft for those who decided to uh, punt on him. Really surprising that he's in twelve percent of teams. Uh, sorry, eight percent of teams now. But even 8% seemed um, really quite high for me on a punt on a rookie uh, halfback playing his first full season at halfback in his first game in round one. 24 points, pretty much expected. No attacking stats, really, um, aside from his offloading and tackle break. He, he had none. So it's not great from Brody Croft. Um, we won't talk about him too much, though, because that's, again, expected. Um, and if you did nab him to be a bit of a pod, you should have expected these lumps to come. Uh. He he looked a bit dangerous at times. He he, he got t- tackled short a couple of times when he when he when he was going for it. I'm not going to say he was a bad buy yet. 24 points is ob- is obviously a concern, mate. But yeah, I'd sort of shelve the reservation on him for now and just see what happens um, next week. He he might bounce back with a big one, but yeah, uh, wait and see. Everyone can bounce back from being a, a loser to a winner, Billy. Even even we can do that sometimes. But for this week, All right, loser. <laughs> Um, so, pretty boring game uh, with the Storm and Doggies. Um, so, let's have a chat about the Bulldogs. They scored 18 points um, and they were pretty effectively outplayed. There was a couple of guys that did okay, but I wasn't too excited about this one, to be honest. Um, Aaron Woods, 
I guess we could say was a winner because he gave 65 points. He didn't play great minutes, but he threw out 65 points for 557k, which was uh, a bit of a win, to be honest. In the minutes that he played, he could have done less than that. But the bigger winner that I want to talk about with you, Billy, is Raymond Fatala Mariner, the guy that I was pretty big on if he was going to play 80 minutes on an edge. And he ended up getting 80 minutes on an edge. His attack uh, looked good with a couple of offloads and a, a try that he scored as well. 76 points. I I really like Fatala Mariner on the edge, but I know I'm a bit biased, Billy. Yeah. Um, there were a fair few people jumped on him. I, I wanted him too when he was kind of named, but looking at looking at the numbers from last year, went back to um, the, the left edge starters and, and what their minutes were, and they were all around sort of 60 minutes, so... I um, stayed away from him, wasn't interested. But um, the fact that he played 80 minutes was a, a massive eye opener. So huge win. Even if you take that that try um, that try away, it's still 80 minutes. So massive winner. Yeah, for sure. And I wasn't sure about that rotation going in. I was worried he was going to get sub 60 minutes, and um, he didn't. So yeah, same. Yeah, he's uh, he's looking like a big winner from round one. Other than that, though, I tell you what, the dogs didn't have too many winners from round one. He might be their solitary one, along with probably uh, Woods. And the only other one that we will mention is going to be Matt Frawley really quickly. Had a bit of an under-the-radar game. He's a dual 5'8 halfback, 294,000, and a guy that wasn't spoken about much at all. He uh, threw up 75 points, um, which he got in a variety of ways through a heap of different attacking stats. So... Uh, Frawley was an interesting one, 294k, 75 points against the Storm, Billy. Yeah, pretty pretty, um, pretty decent score, especially given uh, the team he's up against, mate, trying to try assist. That's um, decent territory for a, a Guardian and a rookie. Yeah, it's, um, it might be a bit of a watch on him, to be honest. I um, if He might um, start to fire, potentially, um, if he's going to hold down that job, but he's definitely a wait and see. He's definitely a winner for round one for the three people that probably owned him in Supercoach. But aside from that, um, there was a couple of losers for sure, but they were sort of expected, so there wasn't any um, real surprising ones. Uh, Michael Leisha, 38 points. I think we kind of expected him to be more towards that 50-point mark, but it didn't materialise. He only had six points from running and one effective offload, which I think you and me were both expecting with Dean Pay and, and how... Leisha played uh, at the end of last season that he was going to run a bit more than what he did. Yeah, we thought he might have run a bit more. Um, oh, thought he might have got sort of uh, a bit more minutes too, but when when that team was named, he was kind of a stay away, wasn't he? Yeah, I wasn't sure how much King was going to take away from him, but he's, he took away enough. So it only had to be ten minutes, mate. He needs to be eighty. Yep. So he was a bit of a, he was a loser for sure for anyone who was expecting him to get eighty minutes. Not going to happen, and. Um, yeah, you, you should be jumping off him right now, I think. But um, oh, the, good, the good thing was um, that that team was named well in advance, so uh, plenty of super coaches had plenty of notice there. So, yeah, that's true, and I think most people should have been able to jump off him in time. Probably the only other loser that I'll I'll pick out to just pick on him a little bit, David Clemmer. He just annoys me a little bit because he shows so much promise, but um, he just doesn't deliver for super coach. Um, I think it was about two years ago. Uh, me and you and a few other guys were talking about um, him potentially emerging as a good um, super coach option. 43 points just isn't enough. And, and um, you talk about the, the Morse code that, um, that Greg Inglis looked like. This guy looks like, you know, he's, he's basically hit three, three categories and that's it. Like, he's done nothing. 
Yeah, he, he is meeting potatoes, but he did also only play 48 minutes. He, he's usually around the 60 mark, isn't he? No, I think he was getting around 55 to 58 minutes a game last year. So he was definitely yeah, a good 10 to 14, 15 minutes below what he normally does. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Tolman had 37 minutes. Um, uh, who else was there? Elliot had 27 minutes. Eastwood only had eight, 18 minutes. So the bench were very, very low, low minutes. So I, I wouldn't be expecting any of these any of these starting forwards to go, go up too much in, in, in minutes, mate. There's not really much to spare. Yeah, and that's a concern for the small concern for, for Tyler Mariner for me. That, that whole forward rotation looks like losers. Um, but yeah, exactly. we'll move on and talk about your Eels who looked golden billy up until the second half. 24-14, they went down to the Penrith Panthers. Why don't you lead the way and you tell me about your, your Eels winner. What's your number one Eels winner for Sunday? My Eels winner? Oh, Payne. I had to. Oh, no. What was, what was his name? Brown, that's right. <laughs> I had Payne too, so it offsets him. Yeah, I was pretty pretty happy with his 74. Not happy with his minutes. I thought I would have got thought I would have got sort of 65 at a minimum, but I said I would have been happy with 60. It's 59, so I'm going to win. I'm a minute shy. <laughs> he had some attack, didn't he? He um, they get a lot. Uh, had some. Um, he got a line break four assist. Offloads, four, four offloads and a line break, and a line break assist. So the uh, old Nathan has uh, finally pumped out those numbers that we were looking at. Very, very excited. That uh, there's a uh, how many. What's his ownership? Is he, I'm trying to find it here. Do you know what it is? Yeah, his ownership's in 16% of teams at the moment, which um, he was yeah, probably a little bit lower than that a couple of days right. ago. He's probably about um, you know 13% a couple of days ago, I think. So, he, um, yeah, that's a, it's a nice ownership at the moment. You, based on his round one performance, you know, the fact that, like you said, he only played um, you know high 50s in minutes. He's still got upside in his minutes, and he still scored 74 points, so... Uh, is not much, not many more superlatives you could throw around with Nathan Brown. He's an absolute gun, and he's underappreciated by everybody. Everyone. And he, uh, the Eels just looked so much better when he was on the park too. So I, I, I can see him getting that extra five or six minutes as well. Just uh, especially with match fitness, mate. And plus, that was an absolute stinker of a game. I mean, I'm, I'm in Queensland now, but that was a. Um, I heard that was 35, 40 degrees out at Penrith. So something really warm. First game of the season. You, you forwards aren't going to play massive minutes there, mate. Yeah, they call that a Penrith winter, mate. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, other than that, I'll take your Nathan Brown winner call because he was clearly one. And I'm going to throw out, I'm going to split this. Corey Norman, first half winner, second half massive loser. Corey Norman was 69 points at the half. He finished on 72. That is certainly the definition of a tale of two halves. He, um, he, he started to really take control in that first half and um, obviously he had his halves partner go off and um, Mitchell Moses owners were up in arms because of his HIA and then also his sin binning. But Corey Norman looked like he really took the game by the scruff of the neck and was going to roll with it. He had a beautiful show and go near the line where he scored a try with his line break. He had a try assist. He was doing a bit of everything. And um, everything I love about Corey Norman in that first half for 69 points then he threw up three points in the second half, mate. So I'm calling him both. He was a he was a winner and he was a loser for his 72 points. That's very Sean Johnson like in the old days, mate. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, uh, let's let's move on to uh, some of the losers, and I'll let you take the reins with this one because I'm really not a, a Mitchell Moses fan. And I guess the caveat for his 35 points is, yeah, he did um, have his HIA and uh, he did have his 10 minutes in the bin. Um, so maybe you take that with a grain of salt. But anyway, you slice it when your half scores 35 points, Billy. It's not a it's not a round one winner, that's for sure. Yeah, not at all, mate. I didn't really realise you got the sin bin as well. I was um, doing some uh, stuff in the afternoon. I had to I had take the game, watched on the replay, and missed the first ten minutes. But um, yeah, so we had a sim, uh, sin bin as well. All right, so that's not that bad. Uh, it, it, Thirty-five score is a massive loser, but the fact that he only got the fifty-six minutes, not too bad. But it's obviously not making coaches very happy at the moment. No, not at all. Um, I will say to his credit, he actually he didn't run the ball enough. But when he did, he, he did this really good run um, where he ran straight, hard and direct right at the back of the markers in the middle of the ruck and went straight through for a line break and he looked mint. He looked fantastic. So if he just did that a little bit more, he's, there's definitely some room for him to have a good season still. But we'll move on and we'll talk about another loser who, unfortunately, Billy, is your mate Jared Hayne, who you've also got in your team. How did you enjoy Jared's 36 points for round one, Billy? Silence. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wasn't exactly ecstatic about it. Put it that way, mate. But when, but look, when I saw um, what's his name, um, uh, Latrell Mitchell score, I was kind of feeling a little bit sort of better about it. So I can uh, just take this as a week one sort of casualty and move on. He did look a little bit kind of disinterested at times, but he did kind of look to get involved a little bit too. I was kind of hoping he would rotate at fullback a little bit more than what he did, but he ended up sticking out wide a lot more than the time he kind of wanted wanted back in the field. But we'll see what happens over the, over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, at least he got involved a little bit. And there are a couple of TVs in there. There were three, three tackle busts and 8.8 sort of H8. So small signs of life, but... Obviously, won a lot more than 36, mate. Yeah, I, um, I'm i going to disagree a little bit and say he, he showed me everything that I thought he would be round one, and that was a massive loser, and I think that's going to continue. He's going to have his good games like everyone does, but his lack of interest and lack of involvement for the majority of that game, particularly when the chips were down or things were getting tough for Parramatta, was really concerning. I just didn't. I just thought that he looked like an average first grader out there and um, just, you know, he, it, was the other, it was the other guys that were taking control it was the um, the Corey Normans um, and even the Nathan Browns and the um, uh, Mitchell Moses that that are right in front of Hayne as far as the pecking order to, to demand some ball and throw it around and make some things happen. I I did not like the look of Hayne at all. Yeah, I'll give him a week and if he scores the same, I'll play. All right, well let's um let's talk about the uh, winners in this contest, the Panthers and. Um, I uh, I love Nathan Brown almost as much as you, but another guy that I love in the back row, and I spoke about him a lot in the preseason, was Trent Merrin. He looked really fit, and um, he unfortunately still only played like 50 minutes, which was concerning, but he still scored 73 points, so it really didn't matter. Um, and he had all the, all the markings of an old-school Trent Merrin performance from a couple of years ago when he was fit, where he made 40-something tackles, um, he had a few offloads going, and he had a um, line break assist as well. He was vintage Merrin. Yeah, I think I know where my hand money is going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move something else down there and play Kenna or something. I don't know. <laughs> he, um, I don't think he could have been much better. I mean, hopefully he gets some more minutes, Billy, but 
geez, he, he looks good even if he's getting 50-something at the moment. 50 minutes, very concerning, but A, your first game of the season, and B, mate, he pretty much did everything you wanted without any massive attacking steps. So, yeah, the only, the only way is up even more off the back of a 73. Yeah, bloody good start, hey? Really good start. Now the guy who got a really good start was um, a nice little cash cow that we were both pretty happy with, but um, we didn't expect 87 points from. Really Army Kikau, front row, second row for Jewel for 192k. We were happy that he was starting. Then he got thrown on the bench. Then he only played 35 minutes, but he threw out 87 points anyway. Wow. Yeah. What a machine. What um, 35 points, 15, 15 tackles. Five point, sorry, five tackle busts. I didn't realise that. One offload, two LBs, one back assist. Jeez, he was everywhere, wasn't he? He did everything. He, he was at, he was causing causing absolute carnage down that side. He um he was unstoppable. And look, how did he, he, how, how did he look in, in the game when he, when he was when he was on? Was it, was he massively involved or was it just pockets of brilliance? He, he was involved a lot, and um and every time he got the ball, he looked dangerous. He was just so strong, so powerful. And he was just, he was really carving them up. He really was. And every time he carried the ball, you knew it was Kikau carrying it. He, um, he was there. He, if Merrin was their best forward, Kikau wasn't, wasn't far off. And realistically, those two guys look like the best two players in that pack to me. So, um, yeah. yeah. Name, to start, name to start this week. If he starts and he gets sort of 50, 50 minutes, would you chuck him in your team? Yeah, I was actually looking at my team right before I called you, and um, and I realised that I um, I hadn't had Kikau in there because it was the same team pretty much almost as round one. And I went, wow, I'm going to just throw Kikau in there because I can't can't not do it. He um he had a PPM of almost two point five, which is obviously unachievable to keep happening, but um <laughs> he's he just he looked like a beast, mate. And um anyone who owned him will be very happy. Anyone who doesn't. After that round one performance, he's one of the biggest winners and he's at 53% now. And I dare say, you know, 20% of those people have only just bought in the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah, I'm not chucking in. So um, other than that, um, the Panthers were pretty um, stock standard, but a good comeback win for them. Let's talk about a couple of losers real quick. One of them is Josh Mansour, who isn't a massive loser. Um, we're getting to the biggest loser of the week very shortly, but Mansour scored 40 points. Um, which isn't at all bad. That's fine for a winger. But um, he had a line break in there for 10 points. Um, I guess uh, for me, the reasons why I didn't buy him were there. He um, he didn't have any offloads, which he used to have back in his heyday. He only had two TBs, which he used to have more of. And um, he just doesn't look like he's uh, going to get the ball next to Peachy. Wanger Blake looked far better for, for less money, to be honest. And he was one of the big winners too. But... You know, we have to wait and see how much he's going to keep that up. But Josh Mansour, you wouldn't have been happy with the 40 points, even though it wasn't terrible loser territory, Billy. Yeah, look, I don't think Mansour owners would be too disappointed given that his um, hit-ups kind of came back and he's got a couple of tackle bus in there. He's still got some offload and tries and, and LBs to sort of pick up. So, um, yeah, 40 points without really doing without really doing much, I wouldn't would, would be too concerned. Loser for this week, but he's only a, he's only just underdone. Yeah, so he he might be a bit of a tweener for us. We might not call him a full blown loser for the week. One guy that we missed though, and um, we're going all over the place now. So sorry, everyone. We're going to go back to the winners list again. We missed out on uh, Nathan Cleary. He um, you talked him up all preseason, and you traded him out before the game. The game started for round one. 
83 points, mate. You should have kept him in. I traded him for SJ, so I got an extra three points, mate. Well, there you go. See, no, always glass half full. <laughs> I should have traded Mill for him. <laughs> I think that the upside, the um, the downside, sorry, was that he wasn't scoring very well at all at halftime. I think he was on about 24 points. He just had a massive second half. Which... Yeah, I was actually really surprised with his 83. I didn't know. Even after watching the game, I have no idea where that came from. I know he had a one line break and a try assist, but I didn't... Re- uh, 24 points in goals. I didn't didn't see that. So yeah, yeah. A lot of it was to the goals. So I mean, he he's a winner for sure at 83 points. But um, I'm still not I'm still not too unhappy that I don't have him right now. I still want to see how it plays out. But his halves partner is definitely the loser of the week for round one. James Maloney, uh, he uh, was on minus two at the half. Looked like the super coach uh, app was stuffing up again, but it wasn't. He was actually on minus two. And he finished on a whopping two. What a terrible debut performance for the Penrith Panthers from James Maloney. Did you see the poor bloke that Alex that captain him? Uh, we've, I was chatting to Perso on our market watch pod for this, and uh, yeah, we were laughing about that as well. It's um, it's pretty sad. But James Maloney looks like he's completely gone as a as a super coach option ever again. And it's not not often you'll say that round one about someone, but I'm writing him off for the season as ever being relevant. Yeah, unless um, Cleary gets injured and he picks up that goal kicking again and he's a 200k, <laughs> then he becomes real a bit all of a sudden. Congratulations, James Maloney. You're a great bloke, but you are the loser of the week by a million miles. So let's uh, move on to the last game of the round, the Gold Coast Titans versus the Canberra Raiders. This was a boil over of epic proportions. The Raiders were up 24 to 6. They scored three tries in the first 11 minutes. It looked like... For all our Raiders owners, and I had a lot of Raiders playing, that we were going to be toasting champagne after this game about our you know, top 1% super coach week. And then the Gold Coast Titans came back and won 30-28. to 28. Was not a pretty game, Billy. Did you catch this one? Uh, I sure did. Um, well, the first part of it anyway. I was down the pub having a few beers with the boys and watched the... Um watched the first sort of 30, 35 minutes and then sort of ended up going back home, putting the kids to bed and then the next day someone um, was telling me about the Titans win. I said, no, nah, but which game were you watching? And then <laughs> the score and I went, oh, crap. So didn't see that come back. Yeah, well, I mean, let's, we'll start off with the Raiders and I'm really loath to talk about them because I'm pretty filthy, but um, let's have a talk about some winners and i tell you what, it's hard to find some winners. They... They really disappointed big time. But um, one guy who was pretty strong was their um, other half that doesn't get talked about outside of Austin and Caesar. They also had Sam Williams in the team for that little rotation they had with Austin coming off the bench. And um, Sam Williams actually looked like the best half for them, which is quite surprising because he's been thrown out of a few teams here and there and been a bit of a journeyman. But 64 points, and he's only 255,000, and he's actually a dual halfback hooker. I was watching the game thinking if I if I knew that he was going to be played like this, I probably would have been better off starting with Sam Williams than, uh, than Havili. Yeah, good point. He might even be a, an, injury, an injury replacement or depending on how big he scores this week and if Croker goes rubbish uh, this week, he could even be as brazen as um, yeah, swapping Croker out for Williams and going for the, uh, the faster cash injection. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've got to see it um, a little bit more to make sure the rotations are right and everything. But certainly for round one at 64 points for his price bracket, he was a winner. And I'm I'm loath to give any other 
super coach players uh, a wrap for the Raiders team just because of how dismal they were. But there was a lot of Joe Average guys, you know, Rapana and Papali and uh, BJ were all in the 50s. So they, were, they weren't quite losers, but, geez, they should have had a lot bigger nights than what they did. Well, so, at least um, Rapana scored 18 points in tackle bust. The, the guy was on the 30-something, updated to 50, doing absolutely nothing, just having a couple of runs here and there. So that was nice to see. Yeah, and I, I, I've seen people talking about, um, based on the round one performance, that they're, they're talking about like Rapana was a massive loser and they need to punt him. I, I wouldn't be at all. I think that you know he got 50 points in a game that was a pretty bad game for him. Likewise, you know, uh, even though BJ um, got a try, I think he got dudded. He um, he had some points taken off. If he was on, he was looking at sixty three points live, and then um, on updates, I expected him to go to about sixty five or sixty six, and he went down to fifty. Um, he he lost he lost bulk points, so I'm not too unhappy. He also dropped the ball over the line, which would have been a line break and a try. So um, he was very close to having a big night. Yeah, sure was. Um, better than Croker, mate. So you picked the right one. So let's talk about Croker. He's uh, he's probably top of the Raiders loser list. 21 points. He did go off for a while, though. So, you know, we need to talk about that. But the fact that he had three points in runs uh, is just abysmal. Yeah, the fact that he went off with a concussion when the guy's wearing headgear. <laughs> No, no, no. Sorry, that's that's not a, that's a silly thing to say, mate. Yeah, he didn't have he didn't have many runs at all, did he? Um, wasn't really involved, but he, he liked that every year. He he just pops up at the last minute to uh, take a carry, put the ball over the line, or little offload to to um Kotrick and then boots him over the back dot. That I mean, that's all he's there for. He's he, he just pretty much just 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 a finisher and um yeah um an NSC weapon when it, when he when he turns up when he doesn't yeah he can hurt you. Mate, I don't even care about the fact that he went off. You take his 12 points of goals off and he scored nine points that game if he wasn't goal-kicking. Oh, that is, even in even in less minutes, that's terrible. Oh, that's um, I'm sure that people are looking at selling him for almost 500000 and um, you know what, I don't even know if I would be able to hold my rage not to look past to round two and say I don't want him in my team, but you probably do have to hold him for another week. But round one, he was a massive dud. Another guy who... Ended up being a dud who I was really excited about and absolutely burned me was Joseph Tappany. He was on 38 points for the game, but he went off in the first half with a broken finger and he was looking the goods on that edge. And it looks like he's going to be gone for uh, over a month or so. So um, I'm, I'm gutted. He's definitely a loser just because now uh, guys, people like me that went for a good pod were looking good and now we've got to trade him out. Yeah, he was definitely, um, just looking at the numbers, seems like he was definitely on track for a decent score and a good pick. So it's a shame that one didn't work out for you, mate. Yeah, on the edge there as well. I was expecting some attack. But, um, yeah, other than that, we go over to the Gold Coast Titans. And, um, yeah, I tell you what, we talked about not being excited about the Titans in the um, pre-season, Billy, and I'm not that excited about them now. Do you actually own any Titans in your team for round one? Yeah, just like everyone else. Sorry, not yeah, Cardi, just like everyone else. That's about it. Yeah. Well, they um, even though they won the game, they didn't have a huge amount of winners either. It wasn't a really fantastic game of football. R- guys like Ryan James and uh, Conrad Hurrell throughout 60s, which were solid performances. But the couple of guys that did stand out as real winners were certainly Ash Taylor, who scored 95 points and was instrumental in their comeback. 
he's very highly touted, Billy, and he's come in the season and absolutely blitzed round one for 95 points, which was a, a top five or top, maybe even top three or four scoring output for the for the round one performances. Yeah, I think a lot of people stayed off there because Gordon's there, though, he's not kicking. So even when he had that sort of, uh, if you want to say career or whatever it was, with that, that decent average, that was when they uh, had a, a good run and um, actually made the finals and B, he was kicking goals. So take those take, take that goal kicking away from him and it, it, you know, there's a lot of appeal sort of um, goes away. Uh, he's not going to have four tries just every week. So it looks the only really good pod to kick off the year, but um, I can't see it was the Raiders, mate, and I can't see them um, having too much attack for the rest of the year. We're winning this week for sure, but um, yeah, not, not for too much longer, I don't think. No, I don't either. And Philip Semi scored 64 points, which on um, the Chiefy watch was a big win for the first round. I'm not going to put, I'm not going to talk about Cartwright because 43 points is okay. It was almost all base, so you know, it's sort so of expected. Semi had. Um, 24 points of hit-ups. Someone mentioned that the other day. Yeah, they did. I was actually having a joke with someone as well. Um, they were looking for a, uh, a last-minute cheap centre three-quarter to um, to play on, on the Sunday, and I think I made a, a silly comment along the lines of, oh, mate, the, the way this weekend's going, you may as well pick up Philip Sammy. We both had a bit of a laugh, and then you look at the scores here and go, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, it worked out well. <laughs> that, that, that type of weekend. You just hope... Uh, I, just, I just wish that... Um, I started with him instead of Katoa because I, I can't bring myself to trade in and waste a trade on bringing Semi in right now myself because I'm not too yeah. I'm not 100 percent sold on his output and he's also his job security but I just wish I started with him now and I just should have done it I should have bitten the bullet because now I got two guys that can't play in my centre wing and I'm gonna have to make some big calls but he was, uh, you're not gonna buy him mate 64 take the 30 points off for that um try and LB you're not gonna you're not gonna touch a guy around sort of um. High thirties, low forties. Well, ho- hopefully he doesn't score a double in round two, Billy, and um, we won't be talking about him again, and that'll be fine. <laughs> there we um, go. Too easy. So, a guy that I didn't, I didn't put on the losers list, Billy. I put him on the injury list for this game was um, Lilani Latu, only because it came out that he had a badly dislocated finger, and um, that might have been the cause of some of his concern. I know that Catfish was talking about that, so. Maybe it was through injury. So you'd probably give Latu another week, even though he scored 24 points and only had 40 um, odd minutes. So that's really bad. And he's probably already been chopped by a lot of teams, I could see. But um, probably best served to wait another week and just see how things unfold before you pull the trigger on him. Yeah, given his price and that injury in, um, report that you just mentioned, yeah, you just, you, just, you just hold on to him for now. Yeah, so that's our review. We're not going to do too much of it. Preview. I think, you missed, I think you missed the Tigers. Do you want to have a quick chat about them? About the Tigers? Uh, yeah. I don't don't really want to ever talk about them again, mate. I don't think that... Uh, <laughs> I don't even... I was wondering if you skipped over it. <laughs> I don't even want to watch the Tigers ever again. I'm that disappointed with that um, with that performance, so I just barred them completely. Right. I'll, give, I'll give you a 30-second rundown. Winners, Corey Thompson, Elijah Taylor, Robbie Rocha, Lola here, Masters. Masters, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that roundup. I um, I no hope that I never see the Tigers ever again. So um, we'll do a quick rundown of the teams for round two. And realistically, there wasn't a huge amount of changes. So we'll go through it really quickly. The main change in the first game for the Sharks versus the Dragons was Aaron Gray coming in to replace Katoa. Paul Gallen goes back to the starting side, which is good news for him. 
other than that, there wasn't any real big changes other than the rumour that um, that uh, Dugan was going to share with Valentine Holmes at fullback. Now, moving on to the Dragons side, um, the only one was reversing the late change with um, Selly moving back to the bench and Lattimore named in the reserves. Nothing real relevant there. Luke Keary in the next game returns, which is the most relevant thing. That's going to be really relevant for that side that we're talking about with Mitchell and Tupo, Billy. I think that's him coming in is actually an in for Tupo and Latrell almost because of that. Yeah, it'll make a massive difference. Or oh, you, you would like think it would make a massive difference. I mean, we thought Teddy would kill it last week and, and Rapana would destroy the Raiders, but no, we'll see what happens. Yep. Cordner goes back into starting now as well, so it should be pretty relieved. He should stay there. They're going against a Bulldog side that have no changes, which is interesting because it means that um, Fatala Mariner looks like he's um, he's got that spot locked out for 80 minutes, so he's going to be a big watch, and uh, we'll see what happens. Now, going over to the local derby, we've got the Brisbane Broncos and the Cowboys. Actually, the Broncos will, will bounce back here in, at Suncorp Stadium. Friday goes back to the bench, and uh, McCulloch starting. TPG, Jay, um, retains his starting spot, which is Gold for both of us, Billy, and everyone that loved watching him. And Tom Opasik replaces Jaden Sewer, who is now suspended. So um, you must be excited about to be the Pangai Junior starting still. Yeah, yeah. Even if he was off the bench, it would have been a, a, okay. Um, yeah, ideally starting. I'm more concerned about him chucking that offload. But yeah, if he can, uh, if he can get sort of 45, 50 minutes, I'd be ecstatic, mate. But it, it's probably a little bit more of a concern this week with um even if he's starting because um it's um Friday on the bench now, not on um not um McCullough. So I doubt Friday's gonna be spelling McCullough, so maybe a few more minutes sharing in the forwards. Yeah, um that's probably about right. And the only change is um for the Cowboys is gonna be that uh, Morgan's a slight chance of returning, apparently. Other than that, they're the same. The Warriors match is going to be an interesting one versus the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, there's no changes for them, so those couple of cheapies in Sao Papali retain their spots in the back row. Against the Titans, they might do really well over at Mount Smart, but uh, for the um, Gold Coast Titans as well, it looks like they've got no changes either, so that's going to be interesting in how those two teams play out through round three, because they look like they're pretty set on their rotations. Yeah, I'm looking for a big game from SJ this week. Be interesting to see how the Titans roll with um, confidence. Confidence and momentum is, is a big thing in, in any sport, whether it's individual or team sport. So, be interesting to see how they how they ride that out, especially with the Warriors, the Warriors team who are known for leaking points, just like the Raiders. It could be one of those high scoring affairs again as well, where either team comes out on top, and all of a sudden we have an unexpected bottom four team in the top four. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. The Panthers and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, here we have Penrith actually have Regan Campbell-Gillard and Kikau back in their starting side. They were in the starting side initially on TLT for round one, but they um, got moved out. It looks like they're back in. So whether they actually stay there or not, fingers crossed that Kikau earned his spot to remain there and not get moved pre-kickoff. But other than that, I'm pretty excited to see the Panthers again. That was a pretty stirring second-half performance, and they could go well against Souths. But the big news is on the South Sydney side in this matchup where we've got Adam Duhai, who I've probably pronounced incorrectly, 
replacing Adam Reynolds at halfback, who's been ruled out for a month. Sam Burgess being moved to prop with Cam Murray starting at lock and Mark Nichols moved to the bench. So quite a few changes for South that are going to have a big impact there, Billy. Yeah, I don't think it's too many changes relevant for Supercoach apart from uh, Big Sammy moving. But um, he's, he's still going to be in the middle. He's still going to be having those hit-ups, maybe more hit-ups now. I mean, 13 is supposedly no different from you know, 8 and 10. But, yeah, I don't know, mate. I've, I'm just happy I've got Sammy in my team. He's into forwards, not on the edges. <laughs> yep. So the game after that one, we've got the Storm versus the Tigers. And uh, Billy Slater returns at fullback for the Storm with Munster moving to 5'8", which I don't think is going to be good for him. And Riley Jacks drops out of the side after scoring 71. So, Billy, are you as confident with Munster at 5'8 as what you are at fullback? Oh, no. No one. Oh, no one. Not going to say no one near as confident. Probably, probably more optimistic this week. The only reason I didn't captain him last week is last week at fullback is because I was on Teddy. <laughs> in hindsight, that wasn't the greatest move in the world. But um, yeah, um, still pretty excited to see what um, Munster's going to do at home versus that opposition. Yep. Well, good luck to you. I'm not going to own Munster, and I'm not looking at him. So hopefully, he doesn't throw another hundred out. For the Tigers, we've got 50. yeah uh, sub fifty. Let's go. Ben Padalino named to start for the Tigers. Matt Eisenhuth back on the bench with the only change to the Tigers. And we didn't expect many changes to the Tigers after beating my Roosters, which is still hurting. So Manly Seagulls versus Parramatta Eels. Big one for your guys, Billy. There's quite a few changes. For Manly, Brad Parker replaces Matthew Wright at centre, which is largely irrelevant for Supercoach. Jackson Hastings and Lloyd Parrott replace Lewis Brown and Winterstein. That's going to be a big impact because... Both Lewis Brown and Frank Winterstein didn't play one minute in that 89-minute golden point loss to the Newcastle Knights in round one. Lloyd Perrett will play minutes, and Lewis Brown was cover for potentially um, an injury to maybe a hook or outside back. But you've also you've got a genuine utility in uh, Jackson Hastings on the bench, so he's definitely 100% going to spell Coruscant, you would think. Yeah, he'd probably also back up for Croker, but probably more. I don't, I don't know. I mean, where, where do you think he's actually going to play? Do you think he's going to spell spell Appy? Appy played a full game last week. I think he is because he was doing that before at the Roosters. He was um he was playing twenty minutes or so off the bench. Um, so I think it's a real concern for Appy owners, but you never know. You might be right. It might be there for cover if um if Lachlan Croker's looking like a dud. Um, maybe at half time or fifty minutes in, he gets replaced. If um, if yeah, Barrett yeah. thinks it's not going too well, yeah, you wouldn't be happy, would you? You wouldn't Sorry, be happy. But then again, you also wouldn't be happy if you owned Lachlan Croker and uh, you think that he might go into the halves because that could be disastrous as well. So I don't like Manly's uh, team list for for round two at all. Yeah, true. But it's good for the forwards, like for the for the. For the ladies and gents who own Gerbo you've got to, and Tapao, you've got to be happy with that bench. Well, yeah, probably. But the fact that Winterstein didn't get any minutes last week and Lloyd Perrett is a, can play in the middle, they have a good offload, and you'd think that maybe there might even be less minutes. I don't know. I think it's a bit of a mess. We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, the Eels, Billy, your guys had no changes. That's how happy they were with their complete demolition in the second half against Penrith. So... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't exactly have a good record down at Manly either. We did beat them once um, a couple of years ago down there. Not only just, but we did beat them. But um, yeah, a, a resurgent Manly. 
resurgent eels too, mind you, but anything can happen. But um, yeah, I'll book, book for all. let's see if it turns out to be a fortress again. Yeah, it's going to be. A, I think it might be a bit of an entertaining game to have some players in, actually. And then the final game, we've got the Canberra not, uh, Raiders versus Newcastle Knights. I think this one's going to be an entertaining one as well down at Canberra. I think the, the Raiders will uh, bounce back a little bit, and the Knights have shown that they're pretty good. Now, here we've got Joseph Tappanay out with a broken finger, as we spoke about. So that's going to see Elliot Whitehead moving to the second row and Luke Bateman starting at lock. Um, pretty disappointing for Whitehead owners, probably, because. Um, you would have liked his um, his work rate wearing the number 13 jersey. So that's always annoying with Whitehead when he gets moved around, particularly if it's a mid-game move to centre or something like that. It's bad. But that was the only change for them. With the Knights, they've gone for no changes, which is going to be really interesting with a big watch on SSA and Slade Griffin and the type of minutes that they get in their output, Billy. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm more interested in Watson to see what his um, output is like. Uh, in- so two things. So number one, at what point of the game does he go and spell hooker? So what's his minutes in at six versus what's his minutes at, at nine? And uh, how well does he, what's the difference in his output when he's at nine as opposed to six? Because he really loves picking that ball up and, and, and having, having, having a crack. He, he was every second of, second or third player, but he was sort of stiffer and having, having a go himself. He got pulled up short a couple of times. So, Interesting to see what he can score this week. Yeah, it will be. So it um, should be an interesting round of games. So um, I think that wraps it up for us. Uh, sorry, everyone, that went a bit longer than normal, but um, we'll, we'll get better at what's, going. What's new? Yeah, what's new? We'll get better at uh, doing a, a quicker dive into the review preview part so we've got some more time. But thanks to everyone that stuck with us through the, uh, the hour 45 or whatever that uh, we've been recording for. hope you enjoy the podcast. You can get us on iTunes. You can also jump on SoundCloud and follow the podcast, NRL Supercoach All-Stars. But other than that, good luck, everyone, for round two. Billy, I hope you have a great week, mate, and you make a good captaincy choice. You too, buddy. Always got to beat us 35. (laughs) All right. Cheers, Billy. I'll see you next time. And for everyone else, uh, thanks very much for tuning in. We'll chat to you again a bit later on. (laughs) 